Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to Rule the Roost. Now, it's a particularly fiery episode this week, as, yeah, well, well, we'll get into that later, but there's a game on Sunday, and yeah, I don't know, something's happening, apparently it's big. Um, how you doing, Raj? I'm not too bad, yourself? Yeah, I'm, I'm all good, thank you very much. I, I'm, I'm squealing like a pig in excrement um, after, well, Roma have told the Spurs fans that we're apparently signing Eric Lamella, but... He's arrived in London. Um, there's a Twitter picture of him being hugged by a Spurs fan in Heathrow with his missus. So he's he's in the country. He's, he's here. So it's, it's time for Chelsea to turn up at Heathrow <laughs> with there. <laughs> in there, I know. And oh god, that that Mourinho press conference. I could have I could have bitten his face off. Honestly, did you see it? Yeah, that's what he does so well. Though I think that's one of the secrets to his success is that he can get other people's asses twinging so much that. That's why he's got that that mindset and that mind game ability that that Ferguson had is something that he's he's doing quite well at. Oh well, fuck him, stick him up your ass. I don't care about Mourinho. We've got a better Portuguese, a better Portuguese than that Portuguese. So, <laughs> um, hey, so let's let's look at the, the week that's passed. Tibblesi, Tibblesi, Tibblesi. Am I just yeah, um, yeah? What is it? How do you say it? No, uh, Dinamo Tbilisi was it? There you go. That's that's the one. For, yeah. mm. If anyone's wondering why we didn't do a, a Dinamo Tbilisi podcast, you can go and find somebody with a decent enough internet connection in Georgia to do a Skype conversation with. That's, that's a bit <laughs> racist. I, I don't condone that. You know, I'm I'm all for Georgian internet connections. It's dial-up. It's not even broadband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hamster driven. But anyway, this that's is uh, such a such a third word problem way of putting. You've not even got broadband. <laughs> They don't even have a Starbucks. Oh, I'm going to come over there and wave my fibre optics in your face. <laughs> but yeah, how do, how do you think we Paul Mandros was uh, pretty banging? Well, yeah, it was. Um, I think it was pretty much the the, the performance that I said the the Swansea game would be. Um, I think they, they proved my um, my smash and grab, grind and pounce um, formation and uh, style of play down to a T. Um, I mean. Kapu is really was a beast. Um, they sat on the ground and then they pounced. Um, I mean, obviously they were shocking. They were they were terrible. I could play for Dinamo Tbilisi. They had a couple of players. They had a wide man who I'm not even going to attempt to say his name, who was really exciting and had a few runs and had a few shots. But other than that, they, they didn't come close. I kissed the ground and did a dance and renounced my atheism. Um, hugged each and every family member, told my mum I loved her, uh, danced in the street naked when I found that Frida wasn't playing and that it was a closing <laughs> goal. 
because genuinely, if, if Bradfield had played last cup games last season, we would have probably progressed further than we did in some of them cup competitions. Um, and in terms of playing them again at home, I hope it's Gomez that gets the nod over Friedel, because um, I think he's he's more natural in our in our formation. Although he is, as we all know, prone to the odd mistake. Um, I genuinely think at this point in time he's he's got more to offer us than Brad Friedel does anymore, um, which is quite a, a sad thing to say, but it is genuinely true. But yeah, it was a, a beautiful performance. Soldado really showed what he was about in terms of some of those finishes. I mean, there was one where Chadley the ball in and he just he had that bit about him where he just he went in and you saw the defender drag one way he took one step back and darted to the back post just he didn't even take his eye off the ball throughout this movement and then he was just there perfectly to cushion the ball in and it's like I've never seen Jermaine Defoe do a run like that I've never seen Adi Bayor be able to to pick a gap like that they're completely different styles of forward and that was 26 million pounds of footballer right there and then that you, you got to see um, in terms of Andros, um, really well to, to cut inside and, and score. I think he's he's really thriving off this fact that he, he's not got Gareth Bale to, to play behind anymore because he's more than guaranteed to be gone now. So yeah, in terms of a, a, a Europa League knockout game earlier on, it was it was professional, it was uh, effective, and it was it was job done essentially. So well, that's exa- exactly that. You know, it's you can. I know it's the old stupid adagio but you can only beat what's out in front of you and we did it with you know the utmost air of professionalism we didn't underestimate the opponents AVB had us set out to you know he had a clear game plan and we stuck to that we were ruthless we didn't let off and it was it was fantastic to see and I think ultimately it pays your opponents a good level of respect as well to to go in with a strong team and to go in with a focused mindset and I think that was also there were echoes of that in the Swansea performance as well. It wasn't quite as pretty, but at the same time, we were ruthlessly professional. And Swansea are again, you know, they haven't shown it from these first two fixtures. You know, Man United, as we spoke about with Chris last week, was a bit of a freak result. Um, but against us, you know, we just didn't let them play. You know, they they had a couple of shots. Um, Chico had that great volley near the end, and I think near the start, John Joe Shelby got in behind the defence, managed to get a shot away. Aside for that, we were just ruthless. We strangled them in midfield, didn't you know? Hardly afforded them any time to play in our half, and just kicked the ball about. It would have been nice to see a few more chances created, but you know, we still got the three points. And I think you know, people can look into, oh well, you know, we ha- we haven't scored from open play yet, but it's going to come. The sort of chances we were we were creating saw Vaughan pull off a couple of you know. I think one in particular from Dembele was an absolutely world-class save um, and that yeah, has been underplayed. That, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, the chances there. Chadley looked bright. Um, Andros, again, once he started to kind of... I think the second half he came into it a bit more. Um, starting to look like What do you make of the penalty? Was it a penalty? Wasn't it a penalty? The, the actual penalty, no, but the one before was clearly inside the box and clearly a penalty. So, so, so you think on, on Karma we win that one? Yeah, definitely, 100%. Especially um, after last season. No, exactly. Come on, you know, no one can begrudge us that. But at the same time, Swansea didn't get any penalties last year either. But anyway, it's all in the past. Let's go ahead to the massive fixture. We have two guests with us today who are, yeah, from from another place that we're not too fond of. Right, yes, so this week we are joined by FK and Jeff from the from the from the dark side of North London, I think uh we'll we'll say. Hello, boys. Thank you for joining us. Good evening, evening Jack. Evening, everybody. All right. 
So this is this is going to be an interesting one tonight, boys. I mean, we we often pitch ourselves as the the constructive Tottenham podcast. You know, we're we're here to talk about football. We're not here to let any kind of banter or silly rivalries get in our way. But you know, it's 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 going to be a test, I think, for for both sides. Obviously, your emotions kind of take control of you sometimes, and in the heat of the moment, you can get a bit carried away. But I'm absolutely buzzing. I cannot wait for the North London derby. Cannot wait for it. Sorry, Jeff, go on. Yeah, I'm the same. No, I think we're both quite level-headed gooners. You know, we've got a, a, a respect for Tottenham, so we're far away with it, mate. See how you get on. Yeah, yeah we'll say. I mean, we, we like to say we're level-headed, but I think uh, when you saw the uh, It's 1-1 at Newcastle uh, video from Sky Sports, Raj was one of the guys in the middle there, like cheering and <laughs> celebrating away. So he wasn't. That's not. Yeah. The, tell me, that's a lie, surely. No, it is. I was. I was watching um, both games next to each other, so I was wondering myself why they were cheering in the crowd. But um, it, it's nice that it's taken all of about thirty seconds for that to be brought up. So I'm, I'm glad that's out of the way. Get it out of the way. That's right. That's the best. Do you want to mention a lasagna or anything while we're here? Just yeah. get them all out, lined up, and everything. A lasagna and a full up, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And uh, uh, let's not forget when you get off the train to mind the gap as well. So uh, there we go. Uh, yeah. All right. Anyway, we're, we're mugging off ourselves. Here. I'm mugging off Spurs more than yeah, the Gooners. It's What's e- going easy on? Easy work. I know. <laughs> what am I doing? Anyway. We need a helping hand nowadays. I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's look ahead of ourselves, Raj. Why, why, why haven't we learned? But uh, anyway, to the summer. How, how do you boys think it's gone so far? I would say, what do you make of all your new signings? But you know. Bit awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Silence, tumbleweed. Yeah. Um, Jeff, I'll take that if you don't mind. Um, I mean, it's been frustrating. I think. I think obviously as the season ended when we secured our Champions League spot, we um, (laughs) just getting that in. All right. Okay. Okay. But when we secured it, obviously there was a lot of. uh, hope, I think, for, amongst Arsenal fans that we'd go out and finally break the bank and, you know, break all our um, transfer records and whatnot, and bringing the two or three or four players that we've kind of dreamed about over the last few years. That's obviously not happened for whatever reason. I think it's a lack of transparency that's really just killing the Arsenal fans because we just don't know who's responsible. Is it the board? Is it the club? Are other clubs not willing to sell? Are there clauses or not clauses? Or you know what's going on? But yeah, I think it's, it's frustrating. But the, the, the deadline's not over. Um, you know, there's a lot of Arsenal fans, and Jeff and I were talking just today that it's it's amazing how many Arsenal fans are now beginning to kind of turn. Um, you know, they're, they're turning from their optimism to sort of pessimism and a little bit of you know frustration towards the club. Um, it's a difficult time, but I, I still think I'm convinced after such a massive clear out that Arsenal and Arsenal are going to go out and get some new signings. So that's how I kind of see it. I think you know the clock's ticking. Um, patience is beginning to kind of be tested. Um, but I'm still hopeful that we'll, we'll add to the squad before the end of the deadline on Monday. I mean, where do you think, Jeff, the the fault lies in particular? Because it seems every single goon I speak to, one person will say, no, it's Gazidez. The other will say it's Kronker. Someone else will say it's Wenger. And it, like you're saying there, FK, it seems that no one seems to really have a clear idea where the fault lies. Um, I mean, from a Spurs perspective, the form you guys were in at the end of last season, I was thinking to myself, you know, Jesus, man, these boys, like... The way they're playing, as as much as we've enjoyed making fun of them for their rocky start weather, the way you were playing at the end and the way the team was performing, I was thinking a couple of signings in there and given the instability around the other clubs at the top, you could be pushing at the very top end. But it just seems like that momentum hasn't continued. Yeah, it's it, true. It's just um, going back to your question, who, are, who do I think 
is to blame. I think I think it's the board to blame because they they should have put someone. They should have installed somebody uh, to help uh, Wenger out with his signings because it's, it's he's doing about five jobs at the moment. He can't do everything. Uh, I, I think it's quite clear that we've struggled uh, signing really or making good signings, proper Can signings. I, um- Quickly interrupt you. There's this. Um, there's a figure on Twitter that's often uh, lambasted by Arsenal fans whenever I take a, a little look at what you're speaking about. Yeah. Um, called Dick Law, and I don't think many Tottenham fans know what he's about. He, he's seen as sort of this um, this laughter figure for Arsenal fans, from what I can pick up. That seems to be fucking up every deal you seem to be going for. Can yeah. You just kind of um, in your explaining of what's going on with Wenger. Can you explain what he's about as well? Yeah, well, he's, he's, he seems to be the chief negotiator for, for transfers for Arsenal Football Club. And ever since we've lost David Dean uh, a few years ago, uh, we don't seem to be a, we don't seem to be signing the, the the players that we need now. Of course, we've had the uh, the big move to the stadium and everything else. We've had to compete at the same time. Uh, and but Dick Law has been in charge of the current signings. Um, and this year, he just hasn't done anything. We, at the moment, we, we, we're, we're stuck. We, we put ourselves in a corner and we're struggling at the moment. And it looks like that we're going to have a, a trolley dash again, which we had two years ago. I mean, it, it just seems it seems really strange that, you know, now, I mean, you've been linked to people like Kabai, um, who, I mean, we've, we've had a question from one of the listeners. We normally keep the questions right for the end, but it seems in context at the moment. Um from Windy Coys, who says, why do you think Arsenal are even bidding for Kabai? He seems fairly similar to what you have at the moment and doesn't seem to be strengthening in areas that you need to. I mean, I think, of you, I yeah, I think they've hit the nail on the head there. I think um, I think Kabai's a good player, but I think he's very similar to what we've got. Um, I'd be very surprised if that type of player or that type of position was the only kind of reinforcement that we brought in. But yeah, he's decent. You can't can't argue with his pedigree. I mean, he seems a good player. But like you say, I mean, Ramsey, particularly now, he's really come on over the last six months, and I think even last night he was he was brilliant. Um, Arteta when he's fit and Jack Wilshire when he, when when he's fit that you would say is your kind of middle three and where would kind of you know where would Kabai sit in but um, smells a little bit of desperation um, you know it seems as if like I don't think Kabai would have been our first or even second choice uh, target at the start of the summer um, so maybe that kind of highlights the difficulties that that the club have had in terms of bringing in a central midfielder but there are so many available and that's what's so frustrating. I mean, do you think in part any of this? I know it's 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 hard to, to to call, but you know, is is it any kind of brinkmanship between Wenger and the board at all? Do you think there's anything going on there? I mean, do they seem to actually get on well, or is there any internal struggle? Well, the, the rumours there is rumours that, that there's uh, trouble between uh, Wenger and uh, the board, um, mainly Gazidis over signings and how much money is to be spent, how much uh, players are being offered uh, and how much clubs are being offered for players. Uh, so, but you know, that, that's rumours. Uh, Arsenal's a very, very private club and same as what Tottenham are as well. Uh, they, nothing really comes out. It's very, very difficult to, to, to squeeze anything out there at all. Uh, but we're just going to have to wait and see, aren't we? I'm sure, you know, we've, we've let so many go. He's cleared out 20 odd players off the playing staff, saved us about between four and five hundred thousand pounds per week. Um, it would be mad to go into a, a full season expecting the squad that we currently have 
to play 50 or 60 games if we're successful in anything uh, to, to go right through the season. And I mean, we've already suffered injuries. We, we've not we only played two games, you know. So there, there's definitely there's definitely rumours there. Whether there is or not, I don't know. I don't know, you know, what the situation is. No, nobody knows. Do you think, I think Jeff, you, oh, sorry, Jack. No, go, Jeff, go for it. Okay. Jeff, just, just, just by saying that we're a private club and we like to do our things, you know, in-house, I think that's the difficulty. I think that's the problem that, that Arsenal fans have. There is just no yeah. accountability or transparency. And even though, you know, you've got Ivan Gazidis, who's the chief executive, and you've got Dick Law, who's a negotiator, lawyer type person, Arsene Wenger reportedly, um, you know, the boss of the club. And he was, you know, he kind of interviewed um, Ivan for his position, which is all a bit weird and all a bit backwards. And I think that's the biggest frustration that Arsenal fans have, that because there's no transparency, because there's no clear, you know, director of football or clear strategy or clear who's doing what, is Arsene controlling everything? You know, you've heard rumours is that apparently a deal for for, for Fellaini was done. Uh, you know, Dick Law did it and Ivan Gazidis got involved and then he took a phone call to Arsene who kind of said no at the last minute. And, you know, if Arsene Wenger's identified the player that he wants and then Dick Law and Ivan Gazidis go out and get the deal, then that should have been, that. you know, that should be it. You shouldn't then go back to Arsene to say, well, what do you think about this and how much he's wanted? And, you know, he's a football manager and not the, you know, not the owner of the football club. And that's where the frustration, I think, kind of stems from. Uh, Jeff, would you, would you disagree or would you? No, I agree. I t- totally agree. There's obviously, there's something going wrong somewhere because, um, you know, if, if, if Arsene identifies the footballers that he'd like to come to the club, that should be it. It should, the money shouldn't have nothing to do with him. You know, if he, he should pass it over to whoever it is in charge of the signings and that whoever it is goes and signs no players for, for whatever money because it's not as if they haven't got the money at the moment. You know, they've exactly. they're reportedly got up to £150 million to spend uh, without even uh, even pushing it, you know. So I, it's, it's really strange what's going on. I, I can't believe it. It's incredible, really, that, that we haven't signed anybody. I mean, it seems to be interesting what we've noticed this summer is that since we've brought in Baldini, who seems to be pretty much the best signing we've ever made, um, that the board are finally kind of giving a manager some backing. I mean, for the past few years, like Redknapp, you know, he's been, he was given a bit of money to spend. But if you actually look at the money that Spurs were always bringing in, I think yeah. over the past however many years, we'd spent something silly like about £5 million. Pounds. Yeah. Um, we were generally recouping everything that we were spending. And it's only this year suddenly that, I mean, I, I don't know if you agree with me, Raj, but I think we've all been taken by surprise by how much Spurs have really aggressively attacked the transfer market. Um, well, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much um, the fact of the matter is we've broken our transfer record three times before and it was 16 odd million pounds for Luka Modric and now we've we've busted that three times. 17 million for Polinho seemed understandable because it was a million pound more, but in the 26 million pounds we paid for Soldado and then the 30 odd that's, that's going to be ending up paying for Lamella. It's a lot of money for a club that... <clears throat> We seem to, to to not want to pay that much for a player and and go into that sort of wage bracket because obviously our stadium isn't the biggest. We don't have as much match day revenue and, and commercial revenue coming in, in as a club such as Arsenal do. But we seem to be spending it in that. This seems to be a season where AVB's proved himself last year to the to the board that he's somebody worth backing, and. Um, and they've spent that money now and they are really letting him have a tilt at not even only the top four, but dare I say beyond it. Because um, otherwise, what's the point in spending the money if, if you're not going to have the ambition to, to try and kick on further? I mean, the, th- the thing I would also hasten to add is that it seems that irrespective of 
whatever we're due to get from Gareth Bale when he goes, which is 98% certain now, it seemed like we were going to be spending a lot of money regardless of that anyway. Um, I think maybe if he hadn't gone, this Lamella deal probably wouldn't have materialised. This seems like it's a, an attempt to replace Bale. Um, but certainly Soldado, Polino, we signed beforehand. I think they were always in the plans. Probably someone like Ericsson, who we've apparently had a bid accepted for this evening as well. Um, you could see something like that going through. But whether or not there'll be anything more after Bale, I don't know. Maybe that's just getting a bit greedy now. Um, Chelsea soon sort of one of those signings, didn't they? So I think we needed a left back. Maybe. I think that's... As, as you say, probably getting greedy now with the amount of signings we've made. We've already, <laughs> if, if we've not spent that £100 million pounds yet, we've, we've probably touching close to it. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say that, I mean, you, I think you spent in the luxury of knowing that you were going to get such a massive fee from Gareth Bale. And I think questions, had, had, had Bale have stayed, would you have signed so many players? I don't know. Going back to your original point, Jack, um, I think of all the things I, I hate about Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just getting there. it out there. Just getting I'm it out there. Just getting it out there. I'm going with the flow. And I've just seen actually on Sky Sports News, they've just broke it that, that Spurs are in talks about um, Christian Eriksen, which is a shame because I think he's a really good player. Um, yeah, I was just going to say that of all the things that I dislike about the club, um, I can't you know, but respect... Daniel Levy um, is the person who runs your club. He's always got the, the club's interest, um, at, you know, the club's best interest at heart. And uh, I think it's quite an astute appointment, Baldini, because in recent years when Levy's been left to do all the transfer selling, um, he's kind of left it really late and given the manager in charge not really much opportunity to go and, you know, replace the players that he's kind of sold. And, you know, examples like Berbatov, you know, come to mind. I think you sold him deadline day, literally last couple of hours, and it didn't give whoever the manager was at the time the opportunity to go out and get someone in. Hey, man, um, we, got, we got Fraser Campbell on loan. Come on, <laughs> give him a break. <laughs> OK, fair enough. But you, you get what I'm saying, right, Jack? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, this time it seems as if Baldini's coming and he's got his own opinions. And I think, I, I'm completely guessing here, but I suspect that he's obviously gone to Levy and said, look, these are the players we're going to get. Let it Leave it to me as to me going out and doing the business, getting the players in. Um, and and you know, it's, a, it's a real support mechanism um, for, for AVB. And, and as you said, Roger, AVB did prove himself last year. Um, just a quick question to you guys as, as, as reasonable Spurs fans. I mean, like the fact that you bought in all these players, if you sell Bale, I think, I mean, do, do you guys think it's, it's much, much progress? I mean, do you think you've made progress? Like, is it four steps back and three steps, sorry, four steps forward, three steps back? Or would you be absolutely delighted with what you've got? Just, just, just a question. Do you want to go first, Raj? Uh, I can do. Um, to be honest, um, I don't think there's there's any real steps back in selling Gareth Bale at this point. Um, with his progression last season as a player, I don't think it was an individual effort whatsoever. Um, I remember in the Real Madrid podca- podcast, I was probably retracing, retracing the steps I, I said then, but his progression as a player seems to go hand in hand with AVB's appointment as our manager. His movement into the middle gradually and his uh, growth within the team, the role he was given, the expression he was allowed in his game, seems to be directly applicable to what happened on the training field. Now, whether or not Ancelotti knows and can use him in the same manner and has the same relationship with the player as as what he had with AVB is, is yet to be seen. But in terms of 
having the players in now that could make the squad better. Because the reason that Bale had to step up last season is we effectively had two strikers that weren't scoring and a lot of number 10 players playing on the wing out of position because Mm. we were trying to play a style of football for the manager without a personnel that really fit his model. So by backing him, by giving him players that can go go out and express themselves with a style of football and within a formation that he so chooses... I think we're probably going to come out of it a lot better and a lot stronger than than what he has, um, than what we were last season. And given that we broke our record points within a within a league season last year with him, I, I, I genuinely I'm very positive and optimistic about this season, which is a very dangerous place to be as a Spurs fan. I mean, w- what I would say, um, I guess, not to add balance. I think Rogers made a very balanced point now. I mean, just on the other side of the scale. As much as I've kind of made fun of him a bit today, I'm sure he, he listens to my every tweet, does Gareth Bale, but, uh, <laughs> or reads every tweet, I should say. Um, well, I'm going to miss him sorely, to be honest. You know, I think there are some arguments to be made in the respect that we perhaps, to say we accommodated him is OTT, but, you know, he was kind of shoehorned into the side, probably to the detriment of other players around him, as Roger said there. Um, I think we definitely look a lot more balanced now. I think Polinio, I don't want to get carried away in terms of having only seen him play for two games, but really looks a really, really terrific player, as Harry Redknapp would say. Uh, just, top, top player. Uh, top, 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 top professional, top player. But just absolutely fantastic. Like, he looks so calm, so assured on the ball. Um, I wouldn't say he'd only been there for two games. He looks fantastic. Um, and maybe not that kind of creative player that Modric was and we have arguably been missing since, but he definitely still adds kind of that that threat from a further back position from midfield. Um, I also, you know, Soldado, he's he's the, the striker we've been needing for ages, you know, for all throughout the past two, three seasons, we've needed someone that is, I think his, his stats are, ridiculous the amount of goals he scored within the box compared to those from outside. He's just that goal-hanging, poaching striker in the box that we've needed. I mean, I think we we were one of the teams to score the fewest amount of goals from within the box last year, weren't we, Raj? Or something, something ridiculous. I haven't got an actual stat to back that up at all. Um, no, I think that's right. We were scoring a lot of goals from, from just around the outside of the area. Bale and Defoe were probably most applicable to that, but we were very poor at breaking teams down if they just kind of sat. I think the only team we actually managed to get behind was, I'm not sure if you watch this game, but we beat Arsenal 2-1 at home. <laughs> there was two through balls. I'll talk you through both goals. There was a, a, one that Gareth Bale scored. And Scott Parker played him through. And then there's one, like, literally a minute afterwards where Gilfie Sigurdsson played Aaron Lennon through and then he rounded the keeper and put it in for 2-0 in, like, two minutes. <laughs> but um, that's the only time we've really got behind, a, got behind a team. I think there were probably five examples that uh, Jeff and FK could uh, throw back at us. So we'll move swiftly <laughs> on from that one. But uh, yeah. The reason why I asked Jack was because, I mean, if I'm being completely honest with you... Um, you know, obviously, there's been a lot of praise for uh, the players that Spurs have gone out and the way they've done their business this year. And you know, it'd be difficult for me to kind of argue that. And I think the players that you've bought um, are going to be are going to make you a much better team 
you know, and if you lose Bale, as as great as that day will be, the day you guys lose uh, your one driving force that you had last season, it's going to make us incredibly happy. But we all know, Arsenal fans know that you've strengthened in the right departments and, and particularly central midfield where you've got some real powerhouses. Um, and I, yeah, it's going to make a good difference to you guys. And, you know, ultimately football's about outputs, right? It's about the number of goals you score. It's about the number of points you get. It's about, it's not about individuals and it's not about, you know, who scores and all that kind of stuff. It's just about, you know, outputs and result. And, and ultimately, we had to replace Van Persie, we've had to replace Sesk, and it's difficult to do, but we did it. And I think with the players that you've got, if you can go out and replace what Bale's input was to your team, then you're in a much better position. And, and ultimately, also, when you've got a player who just clearly doesn't want to play for the club anymore, you're much better off... Um, getting rid of him and I, I, I did have a, an, an anxious moment I kind of woke up yesterday thinking what if just what if Spurs hang on to Bale as well as by all these players because that would put you in a completely different position yeah. um, I don't know if that's crossed your minds at all um, you know the thought of Bale staying could, think, is that is it possible to be honest not, not even in the I told you so way I've firmly maintained all summer like as soon as there was the slightest bit of interest from Real that that's it. Bale's gone. Mm. I mean, I, it, that thought's never left my mind. It always has been there, the thought that he's gone. And I think going slightly back to what you were saying before, I definitely agree. We're definitely more balanced. But the one thing that does worry me, Lamela, he may come in, he may do this. He's definitely going to be a top-class addition for us. But what we are going to miss is just that moment, like, you know, as we've seen in a few games this season against the Southamptons, against West Ham's, when you've just needed that extra little spark, that little thing that a truly world-class player can provide for you. And that that's what Bale was. You know, he he was, I would say in my lifetime, probably the best player Spurs have ever had. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of people like to talk about Gascoigne and Ginola, because um, this is kind of... Or Hoddle's a bit before my time, to be fair. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, Gascoigne's probably the first Galactico of my of my lifetime. Um, yeah, I'm likening us to Real Madrid and what. And, and uh, I just, I, I, think, no, I, I, I didn't even hear that name. Um, we, I'll tell you what, we'll, tell you, we'll do it, we'll, we'll have a deal. We won't talk about William Gallas, yeah? And you just <laughs> don't mention the other one, yeah? That's, okay, that's cool. Yeah, Seems about even, doesn't it? But I don't know. We've got every reason to be, you know, to look forward. It's like you say, you don't want a player on your books that doesn't want to be with you anymore. Um, yeah. I think the most disappointing thing to come out of the whole thing is even until the kind of the very last moment, people were still giving Bale the benefit of the doubt, whereby it was kind of, yeah, if he wants to go, fair enough. You know, you can't stand in his way. But I think it's the fact that AVB actually came out today and has criticised Bale for his conduct, the way he's acted this summer, or at least for the past few days. It's shed a new light on the whole thing that maybe he hasn't been as, you know, amicable and as friendly as maybe a lot of Spurs fans have hoped he would have been. Um, That there has been a slightly aggressive interest to him wanting to leave for Real, Um, which, you know, again, you can understand, but then at the same time, it comes down to that whole argument, doesn't it, of, you know, do you support the players or the shirt? And... 
You know? he, I mean, tell you what it is. I mean, he is. There's no doubt about it. He's, he's, he is a world class. He's a truly world class player, uh, and I, I do think he will. He'll, 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 you know, I think he'll be a world beater out there, especially with with someone like Ronaldo if he stays. I can, you know, I can see him carving up those uh, Spanish defenses quite easily. He's got his awesome power, and you are gonna you're gonna miss him no matter what happens. The only thing about all your signings is you you've got to hope that they all gel together immediately. Exactly. You know, you've got four or five players there that all come in. It's all very fresh. They've come in from different leagues to the Premiership. I don't know what it's like. It's uh, so it's very very strong league. You know they uh, you don't really get the time on the ball that you do in Spain and, and in Italy etc. Uh, like you do over here. Um, so it's they've got a, they've got to gel very very quickly um, to, to to make it work. They've all got big egos. That's the only thing that. Uh, that I, I can think that because they're all very good players, there's no doubt about that. It was, it was wanted by other clubs as well, wasn't they? So, but you, it looks like you've made some good signings. If they gel together, then then it's all well and good. But we've we've found in the past we had Reyes, Eduardo, and, and a few other players as well. Our Shavin, we, we we brought them over. We thought that was going to be really really good for us, and they hadn't worked out. And again, you've had the same with other players as well over the years. You know, sometimes they just don't work out for whatever reason. They don't settle, or they can't they can't get. The, the, the knack of the the fierceness of the of the Premier League, you know. So you don't know, dear. Do exactly. I mean, I guess to to move back to you know how how the season ahead is going to look. I mean, one thing that I guess you guys can take comfort from is the fact that you know you don't have to worry. And I'm not even saying this in a in a sly dig way, but you don't have to worry about having massive upheavals. It doesn't look like the core of your team has changed that much. And it looks like you're already benefiting from that. I mean, Ramsey, he's had an absolute blinding start to the season. I know it's only, what, two, three games, well, four games for you guys. Um, but he looks like a completely different player. He's, he's almost starting to resemble the kind of player that he was becoming before Ryan Shawcross broke his leg. Yeah, yeah indeed. Right, yeah, sorry, Jeff, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Um, uh, before he broke his leg, he, he was he was he was looking really, really good. Uh, then he, he struggled for 18 months. Really, to, uh, he couldn't really. His fitness was, you know, you could see he, he, he was he was really struggling. He, he couldn't really. He was trying to go past people, and it wasn't really happening. But now, uh, since the pre-season games and the back end of last season, the pre-season games, and and I mean, he's been our best player in, in our last two or three games that we've played. Um, you know, so. Uh, uh, in my opinion, I've got lambasted on Twitter for, for saying this as well. I think we're stronger at the moment. Forget about the players that we may sign, but our core squad is stronger now than it was uh, this time last year, simply because them players, because he's, he's, he's stronger now and Jack should hopefully come back to full fitness and the other players are older and wiser. Jenkinson, you know, he's going to get more games as a right back. Um, and the the players are uh, gelling better now. I think we're stronger at the moment as well than we was last year. But at the same time, we definitely, definitely do need to, to bring in some uh, some players because otherwise we'll struggle going throughout the season. I mean, what, what would you say to that, FK? Oh, I would agree with a lot of that. I think... Um... Yeah, Jack, you, you, you touched upon it at the start. The core of the squad has stayed the same. Of the 20-odd 20, 20 sort of players that have left, they only had 27 Premier League starts between them. So actually, when you think about all the, the so-called deadwood that we've cleared out, they didn't really have too much of a uh, contribution to the first team in terms of results last season. With regards to Ramsey, he is just 
such uh, a promising player um, and the thing is you've, you've got to consider everything that he's been through I mean obviously you mentioned the leg break uh, the tragic the, 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 you know the tragic death of his mentor Gary Speed um, he was a big influence in, in, in terms of his footballing growth he became Wales's youngest captain when he was at 20 and then he was kind of stripped of it uh, he's played out of position jeered sometimes by by some of his own fans and you know he's kind of been through all that before he was 21 years of age um, and now he's 22 and he's bulked up and he's playing with confidence and he's got the I hope to God that he's got the injury behind him you know it's such a psychological thing for him as well that to see him play the way that he's playing now and I know it's only Fenerbahce and Fulham away and Villa and all that kind of stuff but he's playing so well and I, I really want him to kind of step up now and you know I remember Pat Rice once told me that he trains harder than most um, he's got the, the the biggest drive and determination amongst some of the players and Pat Rice actually believes that he will go on to captain Arsenal so um, you know that that's how highly you know highly regarded he was within the club but but going back to the squad yeah Jeff's right we're, we're we've got a very very strong core we just need to add two or three really good players that can challenge the first team not just make up the squad challenge the first team and then and then everything will be fine <laughs> you know that that's the way I kind of look at it so I that's mean, my opinion on that what would you say is the the main thing that you're lacking I mean where would you look to strengthen the team personally I, th- I think we need a I think we need a, a top draw centre forward I think that goes without um, any doubt whatsoever I mean Giroud is a is a good player he had a good he had a decent first season last year and he looks leaner and fitter this year and and hopefully he'll he'll kind of hit the next level but the problem that we had with Giroud last season was that he was our only option I know Arsene could kind of play, bring in Jovino bring in Theo and Podolski to play up top but Giroud was it and what I'd like to see is a, is a, is a really high calibre centre forward come in you know a game changer a match winner someone who can you know when, when you're not playing so well if your back's against the wall who can literally take the ball you know take the game by the scruff of the neck and, and make something out of nothing so a top draw centre forward um, I'd like to see a, a very you know strong well disciplined central defensive midfielder come in just to kind of let our our midfielders kind of do their thing you know let them push forward and be, be the creative side of things and just have one who kind of sits sits in front of the defence and kind of marshals that midfield Um and a centre-back, you know, and not necessarily a fourth-choice centre-back, but a, a fourth defender just to kind of make up the numbers because we've kind of shifted back with Rhysanya across and, and whilst he's doing a decent job, um, I think we're just a little bit short at the back. Left side, we're fine. Um, I think I'd like a sort of right-sided stroke central central defender. Yeah. Maybe. I'd also, I mean, just if we're having a wish list, Jack, uh, I've, I've craved a proper out-and-out winger for a long, long time. Um, I think we've always had those kind of midfielders that, that can drift in and do all the tricks and very good at passing but I'd love to see you know someone with explosive pace who just runs at full backs all day long you know of the Overmars type mould we've not had a player of that kind of calibre for a while so I'd love to see someone like that come in Do you think maybe someone like an Angel Di Maria perhaps? He's a good player. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I must be honest. I don't watch uh, Spanish football, you know, religiously week in week out. But of what I do see, when I see Real Madrid, he's you know he's got all the tricks. He's he's quick. He's he's uh, he's got a good end product. And you know, to be playing at Real Madrid, you can't be you know you can't be a, a bad player. So I, w- I would like him, whether or not he comes, whether he's a realistic target or not, I couldn't tell you. But yeah, I mean, I certainly wouldn't say no. I mean, what would you say, Jeff, your, your ambitions for the season have got to be? I mean, say, you know, the squad remains largely the same as it is now. You maybe add someone like Kabai or you bring Flamini in. What, what are you looking at? I mean, what, what are your aspirations? Well, everybody wants to win the league and win the Champions League, don't they? But I'm a realist, to be honest with you, Jack. And when you've got teams like Manchester City, Chelsea, 
and Manchester United. They're, they're three big powerhouses now because of the money they spend. If we spend £100 million, they'll spend £200 million. It's still going to be very, very, very difficult to, to break into that top two because of the money they've got and the money they're, they're prepared to spend. So I don't think Arsenal's really, really going to hit the front until uh, we find out what's happening with FFP. If FFP rolls into play and they police it correctly, then I think Arsenal will come into their own. I always said 2015 was the time that we're really going to start competing again for, uh, for for trophies. I mean, we might we might win a cup or something along the way. I think we deserve to. We should have done by now, to be honest with you. It's crazy how we haven't won a, a you know a League Cup or an FA Cup or something along the way. But um, to get into that top four again this season is what I'm, I'm expecting. Expecting for sure, I want to go higher than that and, and win a cup competition. But you know, that, that's what I'm expecting. Whether we get it or not, I don't know. But we are going to need new players. Interesting. Yeah. Sorry, FK. Go for it. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Sorry, Jack. I just—I think that's, the, that's where the frustration kind of stems from because when we had the question-answer session at the end of the last season with our Ivan Gazidis, he kind of openly admitted saying that we've got lots of money and that it's now up to Arsenal to basically bring whoever wants to bring any type of player we want to get, we can get. And you know, the ambition of the club is to be very, very successful. And yeah. I think the fans have kind of—I wouldn't say we've been lied to, but you know, we were swayed by that and we heard all the right things. And I think they you know, it built up expectations that that hitting this new season we'd hit the ground running with some new players in the squad you know the excitement around having new signings in the squad and all that kind of stuff and that's where the frustrations kind of led to the fact that we're August 28 four or five days before the deadline no one's been added bar a young French uh, striker who you know will hopefully in time become a decent player but that's not the sort of player we need in terms of expectations I'm slightly different to Jeff I mean I just think this is a unique year for us in the sense that we've not had to deal with any high profile departures we've kept the core of our squad together there is no doubt, absolutely no doubt, that we have significant funds to spend. And so, you know, for me, this was a real summer of opportunity because you looked at United, who, you know, they've just replaced the greatest manager the British club game has ever seen and probably will ever see. Um, Chase, Chelsea, they brought back Jose. You know, did he struggle at Real Madrid? Is he a bit of a is he a bit of a mad professor type person now that's come in? And you know, how's he going to do at Chelsea? He's had a decent start, I suppose. And Pellegrini, a completely unknown quantity, but he spent lots of money and results like a Cardiff show that you know you can spend lots and lots of money, but that's not necessarily the answer. And with Arsenal, he's got so much experience and so much money, and with such a core squad and all the infrastructure as well. I mean, you know, Raj said it at the start that you guys don't don't have a similar kind of ground and you know match day revenue. We've got all that, and that's what I think it's gutting. You know, it's, it's a real opportunity missed if we can't strengthen the squad and have a really you know competitive year. And sadly for me, I would say that if if we struggle, you know, hopelessly, if we don't get anywhere near a trophy, forget the league. I mean, 
we need to reduce that that gap. If we can challenge for the league, then fine. But if we, you know, if we finish three, four, five points behind the league leaders, no problem. But if we, you know, if we get knocked out in the FA Cup fourth, fifth round, or Carling Cup, I know we lost on penalties last year. But if we don't get anywhere near that, or the you know Champions League again, you know, get through the group stages and don't progress much further, then it's difficult to defend the club and its policies and the manager because we've had everything that we needed to to, to to have a successful year. So that's how I kind of see it. I mean, I know everyone likes to call it the tin part and the this and the that, but genuinely speaking, I mean, I'm sure you would be delighted to even win just like the League Cup, just to get that monkey off your back, the whole kind of when did Arsenal last win a trophy thing. You know, Absolutely. Against Birmingham that you lost one, was it 1-0 that you lost against Birmingham? That was one that you should have won. Tragic. Tragic, yeah, two-one. Tragic that was. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I think, you know, it's it's amusing how non-Arsenal fans, you know, talk about our brief trophyless period. It seems as if we're the only club that that, that don't go winning stuff, for, you know, every year. It's uh, you know, that people have this obsession with us, and that you know, it's it's obviously filtered through to the Arsenal fans. I do believe. I mean, it'd be great to win anything, of course. You know, a nice day out at Wembley, win a cup, and obviously it silences silences people, but. Um, for me, you know, your bread and butter is your league, your bread and butter is your your your, your FA Cup. That is that is the trophy that you want to win, and the Champions League is obviously a dream. But the League Cup, yeah, I take it, but it's not it's not the be all and end all for me. Jack, personally. Jack, guys, can I ask you a question? You know, with Tottenham, would you rather win a, a League Cup or an FA Cup or qualify for the Champions League? Because we get asked that all the time. Do you want to go first? No, I'll, I'll take it first. Yeah, you go first. I mean, the way. I don't know. It's it's tough. I mean, for me, I'm sort of a bit of the the persuasion of being a diehard romantic. I like the idea. I mean, League Cup, maybe not so much, but if I could see us win the FA Cup, I'd probably take that over top four. If I am, to be brutally honest with you, it's kind of the name on a name on a trophy and something to put in the history books. I mean, I think a club the size of Spurs, as much as we can always give it a chance, you know, as we saw when we last did qualify for the Champions League, the likelihood of us winning it is slim. Um, I mean, I know there is obviously commercial benefits to be had from getting into the Champions League, but ultimately, I, you know, I see it as the the game is built on glory, you know, and yeah. you know, it, there's no trophy for fourth place, um, no. and that's not, you know, I'm not even saying that in a way of trying to comfort myself because. You always fucking beat us to it. <laughs> it's just <laughs> no, but you know yeah. what it is though. How I see it, I get asked that question all the time, and I, I, I say that I'd rather be in the Champions League. There is, no, I don't know, you know, you had it for a season, or uh, uh, there is nothing like, in my opinion, those European nights when you when you get into the group stages, and then if you can progress into the fifth and sixth rounds, and maybe even the semi-finals. Uh, you had it when you, I'm sure you had it with the quarters and, you, and, the, and the fifth round and the quarters, the the home games at White Hart Lane. I saw them on the telly. They was electric trick mate and there's something different about the European nights and to, I would miss that so much if we didn't have it I really really would and I would you know I would prefer that every single year than than have the uh, than, than have the trophy definitely completely agree Jeff I mean yeah, the, from our point of view the Barcelona the Milan the Bayern Munich games were oh. I mean, that's the stuff. Right. That, that is why you you know you, you like football and you and you go and see your club and you support your club. I mean, that is magic. You can't beat that feeling. And, and the away like, trip, the away trips as well. I've been to oh, all those away magic. trips, and they're just Absolutely. unbelievable. It's just fantastic, and that's that's the reason why. I mean, maybe I've been spoiled. I've seen I've seen every Arsenal Cup final since uh, 1972. You know, so I've been spoiled a little. We've been in a lot of cup finals. We've won a lot of cups. Obviously, a lot of the younger fans that haven't seen that so much. 
Um, maybe they'd, they'd like to get into the FA Cup or the League Cup final. You know, I understand it, but it's only a matter of opinion. What do you? What? How about? What's your opinion, Raj? Um, I agree with the Champions League, but for completely different reasons. Um, in terms of the game to game, having the European nights, I do get where you're coming from, but you can have just as much fun in the Europa League. I know it seems like <laughs> a, I know it seems like me going. You know, it's it, it's it's not as there. It's Iceland, but the food tastes just as nice. Yeah. I'm not trying to, you know. But the reason why I say Champions League is because I'm I'm quite a long termist when it comes to looking at the club. Um, and I, I like to try and academic academicize it and look through Daniel Levy's eyes and look through the owners' eyes at how they would approach um, and target what we'd, we'd want to do as a club and what the Champions League would bring um, after a season. The first year we got into it, we managed to sign Van der Vaart, and that's the type of signing you couldn't you couldn't get if you weren't in that in, in yeah. the Champions League. Um, it's a calibre of player we, we you can't access. Um, we've done well this year with the Europa League, but I think that's with the promise of a, a further push towards towards bigger things. I think that's why the players have signed on this year. But our owners are essentially wanting to get us to a point where we're Champions League regulars in a new stadium with our new training ground, with, with a club that can function both on the pitch and off it commercially. That's why we're pumping so much money into America and China and all these far flung places as a try to build brand Tottenham and whatever we're Don't doing forget with these. the turfies. Don't forget yeah, the turfies. The fucking turfies and the strange yeah. supporters clubs we've got in some Tibetan monastery somewhere that they've got a flag that we've sent them and <laughs> what we're trying to build is um is a package essentially to sell on to someone. So what I think the club want to achieve is Champions League year after year. And what I see as Champions League year after year is increased revenue for us, more chance of us getting this stadium built quicker and better and a better quality of player, which will then hopefully have the knock-on effect of making us actual contenders on a on a regular basis rather than having the odd tilt at fourth every season here and then we'll have a rest year where we sell someone good and then we can build another squad and then we'll have a rest year where we'll go back to Europa League where we can actually sustainably do it. So that's the reason I want it is to to sustain and build a club rather than being in the position like we were comparing before. In terms of the actual base of what you've got to build upon, you've got Hello. these... Hello, mate. Some... You, dropped, you dropped out a second there, yeah. Rog. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, what I was saying was, in terms of comparing us both, um, Arsenal and Tottenham, Arsenal have got the base there to build, whereas we're still trying to build it because we because we had those years in the nineties and the early two thousands where we were still trying to catch up. Now we're at a level where we're, we're building that base. That's what I want to see us through. I want to I want to see us see it through, and then hopefully the knock on effect of being a Champions League club and having the type of squad and players that can compete. Cup should hopefully just be a, a natural progression. Do you know for me? I think the worst thing that's happened for the progression of Spurs is Manchester fucking City. Like yeah. when they, it seemed like we Not were just Spurs, mate. Trust me. Well, yeah, true. To be fair, I mean, it just felt like we were building to a point whereby, yeah, we weren't by any means level pegging with Arsenal, but I mean, just we were catching up. When you're considering that, you know, it would be two weeks after Christmas, and you're already mathematically assured to finish ahead of us. You know those kind of days when it yeah. was actually more like, oh, hang on, we're finishing ten points behind Arsenal. Hang on, we're finishing five points behind, three points behind. You know, just yeah. catching up on you every single year. 
Uh, and then looking like, well, maybe there's room for both of us in the top four. Liverpool are falling down the league now. You know, they look like a spent force for all intents and purpose. And then suddenly City came along. And what, what happened? You know, that's it. That's that's Now the top four places, again, are a precious, precious commodity. Because really, ultimately, it is, again, between, for me, us and you for, for fourth yeah. place this year. Um, I mean, as much as I'd like to see us push on and finish, you know, for a title race and all this kind of thing. You know, you've got to be realistic about it and you have to see that top, you know, fourth place is really what we are aiming for and what we have to get. And I can only see it being at your expense, if at anyone's expense at all. I mean, people are talking about Ferguson going, you know, United are always going to be up there. It's annoying, but they will be. Um, City, they're not going to drop out of the top four. You know, if, if things look bad for them, January time they'll sack Pellegrini and they'll spend another 100 mil. Same for Chelsea. You know, it's you, you just you cannot compete against teams like that. And you have to start to think, you know, and I, I wouldn't want this. Personally speaking, this is not something I'd want. I don't know what you guys feel, but the only way you can see yourself competing against teams like Chelsea, City, PSG, Monaco is to become them. And that for me is is almost like the death knell. I, I wouldn't want to see Spurs. I know we spent a lot of money but we, we this summer, but it looks like we're going to be recouping it. I mean, would you want to see Arsenal really become like a, you know, a, a billionaire's plaything, as it were? Carnage? Um, well, uh, Jeffy, you, you kind of uh, hit the nail on the head about FFP, right? If, if that comes in and if it's implemented, then I don't think there's a problem. Uh, and if it's implemented well, you know, if it's policed and it's enforced and, and then clubs have to actually genuinely operate within the revenue that they make and all that kind of stuff. But if that's poorly implemented, then we've kind of shot ourselves in the foot a little bit. And the clubs that have all these sugar daddies that, that just throw money at them um, are going to you know, going to be the benefactors and they're going to get through and they're going to be able to spend more and more and more. From a, from a fan point of view, I think there's a lot of... Um, class and prestige about doing things your own way and doing things the right way and that's how I believe we've kind of done our stuff guys I mean I think you know we've built the stadium off our own back we've not we've not we've never relied on on a rich owner we've not relied I, mean, I know it's ironic because we've got two rich people on the board but um you know we've we've never relied on unsustainable debt levels and all that kind of stuff we've done things the right way and and actually in terms of financial competition Ivan Gazidis at the Q&A said that in two years time we'll be level on par with Bayern Munich who are massive giants in the footballing world and the, and the, the finance world so finance point of view we can raise the money we can you know we can we're making match day revenue we're making commercial income we're making those just as just as good as any of the big boys around the world but it's about now taking that next step and purchasing players that are going to make us compete at that level that's that's what i'd say jeff sorry i am i i how i how i see it is that i think arsenal have, have have done it the right way um a self-sustainable policy that they've they've had for the last seven or eight years now uh, is is all centred around this FFP. If the FFP works, it's cool. If they don't, I think Arsenal will rethink it and they'll just join them. They'll sign up Osmanov or make Kroenke put a, a few quid into the into the um, into the club and we'll just join them. But at the moment, Arsenal being you know like the MCC of, of football, so to speak, and a very traditional club, they're trying to do things the right way. As would Tottenham do as well, because Tottenham are you know on a par like that. They're you know they're very traditional. They do things the right way. They've got respect. Um, 
if if it comes to a point where this FFP is quite clear that it hasn't worked out, and uh, you know it's being the, the the financial doping is still going on, then what can you do? You can only join them because at the end of the day, it's the advertising and the commercial revenue that's going to be coming into the club, and you're only going to get that if you're successful. Exactly, and I think that's what we've seen. I think one of the biggest hits we're going to be taking in terms of losing bail is not just his ability on the pitch, but is that off of it. You know, this is the yeah. fact we've with the fact we've seen someone in a Spurs shirt in Times Square, New York. It, it shows you the kind of the power on the that, front cover of FIFA. Well, exactly this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. On the front cover of GQ, all these kind of things. You know, you'd never dream of seeing a Spurs shirt in there ten years ago, um, and it. When you're talking about kind of attracting new fans, attracting players, and you, you you start to wonder, you know, where do your priorities lie? Is it about kind of do we want to win things at the cost of everything, or do we just want to be a club that you know keeps to its traditional values and bobbles along and doesn't ever really do anything? It's you know, and I think that's a decision a lot of football fans are faced with right now. I mean, it's, it would be hard to really say to a lot of Man City fans. Guys, you know, when you won the league at the expense of your greatest rivals a few years back, you know, were you really thinking at that time, oh, I wish we'd done it the right way? They probably weren't. And, you know, it's... Spot on, Jack. It's spot a dilemma. On, spot on, mate. I mean, one of my best mates uh, is, is a City fan. He's a proper man, just a boy born and bred. And we were having this exact discussion about a month ago. And I said to him, you know, mate, what, what do you think about the way City have done their business? And he just said to me, he couldn't give two shits basically you know for him it's just about in the record books it's going to be City that won the league he was a bit emotional because he said after everything that he'd been through you know he was there when City were you know playing two divisions lower than they are currently now and so for him it meant everything but actually when you look back at it he probably won't care too much how his club was run or funded or all that kind of stuff because in the record books it will say that they won the league in the FA Cup yeah oh well I guess there's only so much we can talk about the current state of things um, I think just take a little step back now because we have got a massive game on Sunday, if no one was aware. You know, it's, it's come pretty early. Um, and like you were saying at the start, you know, FK, it's it's the one we look for right at the very beginning of the season. Um, yeah. And so we don't have them long to wait. I mean, what would you say is your, your favourite memory of the North London derby? Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there are so many to choose from. Gosh, lads, uh, it could be a while. Um uh, do you know what? Obviously, one of the ones that will stick with when we won, when we won the league at the lane. That was uh, magic. Even though we didn't beat on the day, it finished two uh, two in two thousand four. That was an amazing day to go and win it at the home of the enemy. It just honestly, it's like Christmas had come a thousand okay. times. It was just a brilliant, brilliant day. I wish I hadn't invited this. I don't know why I've said this. A personal memory um, when when Thierry Henry uh, scored. I think it was uh, 2002 or whenever it was when he ran pretty much the whole pitch and then he ran all the way down to the other end and kind of slid on his knees in front of all the Spurs fans who were going batshit mental. That was probably one of my personal favourite moments, but uh, there's so many to choose from. Jeff? Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, obviously, the, the the to win the league at White Hart Lane is fantastic, but, you know, we 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 did that before in 71 as well so uh, maybe the, it wore off a little bit but um, there's a little dig there sorry boys but the, I wasn't the, born it's alright no, no it's alright I wasn't there funny, funny enough but I was at the um, I was at the the, 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 the League Cup semi-final replay 
when we beat you. Uh, I think it was 2-1. I can't remember. Was it Ian Allenson scored? I think it was 88 or something like that. One of those years. Um, I mean, that was fantastic. Definitely. And then what was the other time? I can't, I can't remember the other time now. I don't know what I was going to say now, to be honest with you. But there's been there's been a couple. Oh, sorry, I beg your pardon. The Brady game when we beat you five one, it was back in the might have been seventy eight or seventy nine, something like that. I can't remember. But we uh, we had the whole of the uh, Park Lane. It was top and bottom in them days, and I just remember being there. It was different class when we when we beat you five one, fantastic. And he Bradley curled one in from the edge of the box. It was just unbelievable. I'm sorry about this for any Spurs fans listening. I, I should probably point out that. Rule the Roost podcast is just an exercise in like sadomasochism for me. So like, <laughs> going through this is just, yeah, you know, it's just, it, it makes me feel alive. So I'm sorry for anyone else that isn't as deeply emotionally damaged as I am. <laughs> well, if there's any consolation, Jack, I, I highly doubt it would be 5-2 again for the third time running this Sunday. Uh, I just can't see it. So, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, there's so many memories to choose from. You're right. I, it, it, we've, we've, we've just had a, under Arsene Wenger, we've had, a, we've had an amazing set of results. I think we've played you like 40 times and only lost six times. So um, we've been really, really lucky, um, certainly under him. But like Jeff said, so many magical memories. I think, do you know what? You're absolutely spot on. When, you, when the fixtures come out, it's the first fixture you look for. You know, home and away. When do we play this, uh, the enemy? Uh, do we play <laughs> home and away? In what order do we play them? When you know, it's the one you look for. And as long as you don't get beat, that's all you kind of care about. And then for this Sunday, we just want to go out there and, and just do the job. That's what it's about. Just yeah, it's just. Oh, I, I, I love the North London Derby. It's the best through, game all, well, through the 80s, Tottenham were really a better team than Arsenal. They was always just... Well, yeah. Arsenal was a, we still we, are, Jeff. It's never changed. It's well, never changed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid facts to tell it differently, Jack. But um, but no, Tottenham were a, a better team than Arsenal. Always spent more money. And even over the past few years, they've always outspent Arsenal for years and years and years, as long as I can remember. But um, And you know, it doesn't matter where you are in the league, honestly, no matter how good the squads are compared to the other squad and everything else I'm always shitting myself when when it comes to a North London derby I don't know what it is it's just it's a great leveller it's not so much now as it was earlier on because there was British players the core British players in there and they they felt it uh, a lot more you know with a crowd and that it's a little bit different now because you've got these foreign players they come in and they have to it takes time for them to realise what a North London derby is you know really really means to the fans but it doesn't really matter on the day no matter how good the teams are I'm always really really nervous you know and it's just it's, and that's uh, you know that's that's the reason why North London derby is, is very very special I think yeah I, I think you can see that as well when you see the likes of like Wilshire and Dawson those kind of yeah. boys they do really seem to you know Dawson loves the North London derby like he's he's always up squaring up to all of you lot and yeah. getting stuck in I think to be fair even Bale who you know he's a big lad but he, you know complete wet lettuce even he sort of got a bit of mouthy during North London derby time so you know it's it brought out a, a different edge to the British players I'd say so yeah definitely um but at the same time you know it's not to say that the 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 players from overseas don't get into it after all. You know, look at Thierry Henry. Exactly, Adebayor. Well, yeah, obsessed Fabregas. He hated uh, Spurs, you know. Rafa um, van der Vaart. He, he shushed, <laughs> shushed the clock end. Come on, man. There you, you know. go. <laughs> yeah, but, what, I mean, what are your favourite memories, guys? Well, that's like, what I was going to say, Raj. What would you say? Um, I think Not being beat 5-2. <laughs> no, the, the first one did involve a five, but luckily that was us. It was the um, the Carlin yeah. Cup um, at home. 
the year we, we won it. Um, I think Jenna scored after like two or three minutes, and then uh, Nicholas Bentner did his usual and scored an own goal for Tottenham. Um, and then and I think just, Adeboy on nutted him, didn't he, as well? Yeah, I think we had like rubbish players as well scoring, like Mal Brunk and even Aaron Lennon scored his, his goal. He's got a good goal scoring record against Arsenal now, I think of it, Aaron yeah, Lennon. Yeah. He doesn't score many, but he usually scores against you a lot. Um, but it was just one of those nights where after every goal went in, you're kind of pinching yourself because I hadn't seen Tottenham ever treat Arsenal like that on a pitch. And it wasn't like it was a, a bad Arsenal side out either. I mean, there was. There was big players. I mean, I remember, I think it was like Danielson got taken off after like 15 minutes for Fabregas just because we were running you about. And, yeah. and Wenger just kind of went, nope, I'm not, I'm not letting this happen. But yeah, it was, that was kind of a, a culmination of, of many years of, of being spanked by you lot. And that all came out in that one night of, it was just joyous. I remember Robbie Keane dancing on the pitch. It was just a, I think that's the, the first time that we, we properly beat you. And then <laughs> since then, our record's been, been much better. Um, you released a DVD, didn't you? After that game. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, guys. There will have been a cup as well and a mug. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure no, Pat no. Rice played that, Daniel, didn't he? Didn't he come on a sub, Pat Rice or something? <laughs> <laughs> we had all well, our reserves out. How about you, Jack? I've got to say, I think I've got a sound to demonstrate one of my favourite North London derbies, which is. Uh, hang on, here we go. That didn't come out as loud as I was hoping it would, I so I failed that. Danny bit, Rose. But it was just a, Danny Rose. a sound of Danny Rose on his Premier League debut, um, scoring an absolute blinder. I mean, there's been some some great memories in the past, like Roger was saying that game, but for me, just that moment when we were so gunning for the Champions League that year, and we just wanted someone to step up and just, you know, do it for us. And it was just so, oh, watching it in a pub full of gooners as well. Just seeing this little lad from Doncaster. Is he from Doncaster, Raj? He's from near. He's from Leeds. He's one of my boys, yeah. Leeds lads. And just seeing him smack it into the top corner. And then seeing all my mates who support Arsenal be like, oh, it wouldn't have happened if Almunia wasn't off his line. And all, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, God, guys, Newcastle have (laughs) genuinely scored and it's just been disallowed. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Is that true? I am uh, not making it up. Oh, I can't happen to honestly. He's gone through. Uh, he scored the goal. He's gone off celebrating, but it's been disallowed because of offside. But uh, you couldn't make it up. It's, it's <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur, the gift that just keeps on giving. It's amazing. <laughs> Alan, uh, where's, where's Alan Sugar when you need him? That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to find Wi-Fi network. Yeah. You, you know, I, I tell you what. Just just to give you some perspective on that, though, I was sat in the other end of the uh, other end of the ground when that happened, and we saw this tiny little pocket in the corner all celebrating. And from where we were all sat, like there's people on their phones being like, "What the fuck are they all celebrating? It's still one nil." Yeah. You know what I mean? So we like from where I was, I was just thinking like, I knew straight away I was gonna be like, "Oh, for fuck's sake, this is gonna be one of those things, isn't it? It's just gonna be tomorrow video highlights all over YouTube, everything of all these Spurs fans." Oh, just don't. I can't even. I can't even talk about it now. But well, there, was, there was something that went around today, Jack, about. Um... Uh, fans at, at the Emirates on Sunday. Obviously, if all things are going well for us, on the 69th minute, we're going to celebrate wildly just to, you know, <laughs> just to kind of celebrate that moment and, and have that. <laughs> oh, is that right? I don't yeah, know. there was something that went out this morning with it with a clip of the video on YouTube, and uh, it's going to be absolutely epic. But I, I remember that day. I mean, when uh, I think it was nil nil quite late on in your game, wasn't it? And then Bale obviously scores uh, with a few minutes to go. And I think at that exact moment, Jeff, you might remember Theo hit the post and Newcastle were kind of just pushing into the game. And, and I must be honest, you know, 
fingernails were being bitten, I did think maybe Newcastle could could uh, could sneak a genuine equaliser, and I thought maybe Spurs would get it, but we were just we were really lucky to hold on. We we, we played really well. Just on that point, though, the fact that it went down to literally the last kick of the game for you to finish above us, does it not hurt a little bit that you used to be celebrating finishing above us months back? It's not a dig, it's a genuine point that you used to be so much better than us. You used to be such a better team on the field and now there is literally a, a points difference, a hair width between us in terms of ability on the pitch. Isn't that, is that not worrying that there's a genuine chance that it's got to happen at some point? Yeah, well, you've got you've got to take into the, the circumstances. We've just built a, a, a three hundred and fifty million pound stadium. It's it's affected um, uh, the, the, the revenue that we can put into the playing staff on the pitch, and and you can see what's happened to us. You know, uh, we haven't got the quality players, and we've had to sell all our best players to clubs that have come in and just uh, offered them mad, mad money, and that's the reason why. Unfortunately, the, the playing field has levelled between Arsenal and Tottenham. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not chipping or anything like that, but you've got that to do yet. You've got to build your stadium. Hey, and- Jeff, Jeff, just to interrupt yeah. you, we've started building a fucking massive Sainsbury's though, mate. Come on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. But you, know, you will go through it, honestly. That, I think this is... This is maybe your last hurrah to get into that Champions League, like Jack's alluded to earlier on. You need to get in the Champions League to get the the, the commercial revenue to come in and and to everyone to buy into the brand to to help you along to buy the players to stay in the Champions League and then to continue to to get people into the stadium. Um, well, I mean, we had a bit of a leg up because we had all that success before moving into the stadium, so we had the brand, we had a few trophies in the bank, um, we, we had the support, uh, obviously we, could, we knew we could fill the stadium, we had that in front, when Tottenham go through that period, it's really, really tough, honestly we've had, we've had, we've struggled for these last eight years it's been really, really, really hard honestly. Do you think that was down to financial mismanagement? I think, do you think that was at all down to financial mismanagement at all, the fact that you, you, you had to string it out that badly? Carnage? Um, sorry, what was the question? Have we not won trophies because of financial mismanagement? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or? because if, if you if the excuse for not winning anything and having to sell your best players is that you've you've put all your you've traded on-field success for building the place to play, is that not a, a, a strange exchange? I, it's it's a difficult one. I mean, obviously, with hindsight, it's very easy to kind of like point the finger and say, "Well, we did that well. We did that wrong. We did that badly." I think, like Jess kind of said, we started building a stadium at the, at the start of a, of a global recession, which didn't help in the most expensive city in the world. Um, and I think, with hindsight, yeah, obviously, you'd probably get so many Arsenal fans that would trade the stadium that we've got now to go back to, the, to Highbury to, to go and win a, a cup competition, but. I honestly, I sincerely believe that you've had clubs like Liverpool, like Chelsea, like Spurs that have talked the talk for a long, long time about building new homes. And when only when those guys go through it, and only when you come out the other side and you realise that it's hitting your uh, transfer budget, your wage structure, it's hitting all sorts of various bits and bobs, well, then people kind of realise and sit back and take a note and think, well, do you know, we're actually Arsenal did a really good job um, in kind of navigating us through those tough times and. Um, yeah, but you look back and you think, well, why did we sell X, Y, and Z? Why couldn't we buy it that year? We were one, we were just one or two short that year, two or three short last season, whatever. Um, but the, re- the reality is, you know, as someone's already said in the conversation, that the three biggest clubs have got all the money and they're going to spend. 
twice as much, three times as much. It doesn't matter what we do. But what we've had to make sure is that we've tried to maintain, competi- you know, maintain a level of competitiveness, that we've tried to make sure that we've been, you know, kept ourselves in the Champions League to get that basic funding. We've not lost our brand of football, but at the same time, we've, you know, we've obviously had to try and pay the stadium off. We've tried to improve our commercial um, sponsorships. We've tried to bring in some good young players. And, you know, a, a, lot, a long time ago, Arsenal, Arsenal were criticised for not having any English players, not bringing through the, you know, the youngsters. And now we've got such a strong British core. Um, that actually I, I think there's a lot to be proud about and, and not really look back. So I hope that's a long-winded way of answering your question, Marge, but um, yeah, I think it's a complicated situation. I think ultimately, like, you, you've hit the nail on the head, Jeff, in that we do have that ahead. And I think that's kind of, that's been reflected in our in our spending this year in kind of the, the strides, as Raj was saying, we've made off the pitch by enhancing our brand in all various means and ways, yeah. is that the bare bones fact is we are now about to put the foundations in the ground it seems and actually go ahead with building this new stadium and it's starting to dawn on us that it's going to be tough there are going to be tough times ahead that you know we are going to need to not only fill it um I mean yeah we do have we do have a huge fan base but at the same time you know I I don't think people fully appreciate how tough filling a 60,000 seater stadium is Mm. um it, it is all well and good I mean don't get me wrong, I like to make fun of your boys putting bin bags over the red seats as much as the next first fan. However, you know, I completely get it. Tuesday night fixtures, even White Hart Lane doesn't fill out. And I'm sorry, Spurs fans, everyone that likes to say this, I've argued with you about it before on Twitter. We still don't sell out White Hart Lane every single season. And that's what? A 38,000 seat stadium. Now, 60,000 seats, you are going to have to have that level of success to accompany that and fill that. And not only success to actually just fill it, to, to fill it to actually tangibly pay it off. Um, With that said, can we all just take a moment to, to think about West Ham in the Olympic Stadium, please? <laughs> Very true. I'm, Very I'm true. really looking forward to being able to, you know, stretch out and, and lay down across five seats because there's going to be nobody inside it. <laughs> and it'll be, it's just going to be extra ammo for the, for the, for when they play Millwall as well, isn't it? When they get relegated and have to play them. Yeah. Yeah. More At plastic to throw about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the so. Millwall fans can take a run up through the seats when they want to <laughs> enter <laughs> again. In true Olympic spirit. Yeah. yeah. But I'll tell you what, we, we could talk all night boys, but you know, we, we, Getting on a bit here now, so I would just say to to end it. How do you see the game going? Come on, I know this is this is crunch time, but FK, if you if you had to say, you know, you're a betting man. I don't know if you are a betting man or not, but were you? What what would you say the uh, the, the score is going to be and how's the game going to go? Oh, we've got to beat the enemy. Nothing else matters to me, to be honest. Um, I think our starting eleven, whether we've, we make signing tomorrow or the day after or not, I think our starting eleven can take you a lot. I think what, what Jeff was saying about your new player taking time to adapt and gel and mould is, is a big case for that. Uh, so I'm going to go for a home win, and I fancy us to beat you by a couple. So two nil, three one, something like that. Right, Jeff. <laughs> Sorry, that was, that was short and brief. But how about you, Jeff? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you what it is. I think we're at, we're at an advantage because, because one, we're at home and two, it's come so early in the season. I always, we, we struggled last year 
when we had uh, big teams to play. And they, was, they always seemed to be away from home, Chelsea, Man United or Liverpool, or whatever it was. They always seemed to be away from home first. It, you, it, it's at the start of the season, you'd like to play the big teams at home rather than away. Because I think until you can get into your game, um, you, you struggle a little bit. So I reckon that we'll beat you 3-1. Uh, interesting, interesting. Fighting mm. talk, fighting talk. What about you, Raj? How do you see it going? Um, I don't think it's going to be the greatest game in the world. Um, I th- really think it's going to, uh, you know, the high scoring ones we've had previously. I don't think it's going to even come close. Um, score predictions, I'll, I think we'll nick it 1 0. Um, and the reason being is I can just see Sandro and Capu starting in the middle of the, the centre of the park, and I can't see. Arsenal, with all their pace and everything, being able to to grind that down because we have, if we've not been flashy in the past couple of games, we've been solid. I don't see the keeper being beaten. I think he's high on form. Um, so yeah, I, I think one 0 I think it's going to be. I think Arsenal probably have the the lion's share of possession. I don't think it's going to be comfortable to watch whatsoever. Um, I don't think they ever are. <laughs> never is. Never are. True. Uh, yeah, Very true. I, I mean, I, I don't have irritable bounce syndrome, but I do for for two games <laughs> a season. I, I sit there and I'll bite my nails and my stomach rumbles. But it's there's no feeling like it in the world. I mean, it's it's when knowing when you beat Arsenal. I've, I've watched it in in all manner of places. I've watched it at home with my dad and jumped up and broken lights hugging him. I've <laughs> watched it in the office and had security guards looking at me throwing keyboards about. I've, I've seen it in bars and things like that not October drinks but it's something that just brings out a reaction in you when all lost that it just draws a raw emotion out of you but I do think yeah I've, I'm going to go 1-0 Tottenham I, I, it's not going to be a classic we're not going to be releasing a DVD or selling muggers of it anytime soon oh, but... don't, don't kid yourself Raj if we, <laughs> we win at the Emirates we're fucking we'll, we'll <laughs> DVD, mate. souvenir edition podcast where we'll we'll watch the game each 90 minutes and just commentate throughout it <laughs> yeah. but, be um, extended edition you know Levy's commentary the lot so you know it'll all be on there um, I think f- for me nullifying Walcott is the big... Uh, I mean, I, I am having cold sweats thinking about Walcott against Danny Rose. Like, Walcott's another player. I know we were talking about Ramsey earlier. I think he's kicked on a lot for me. Um, yeah, he's kicked on all the way to the byline. And then what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I, I do think he's 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 gotten better by the year. Um, for me, you know, there was a time when I thought Aaron Lennon was miles ahead of him. But I think, you know, Walcott's eclipsed him now. I, you know, if I'm to be honest... Yeah. Um, so yeah, Walcott's a danger man. It looks like you might be missing Podolski, so that's something to take heart from. Um, I mean, we are dogged in defence now. It seems like we've got a double our team. There's a lot of beasts in there now. Um, so I can't see us putting five past us. Um, but at the same time, I can't see us keeping a clean sheet. I'm gonna go. Two one Spurs that will nick it. I can't. I, ha- I can't. I can't predict anything else. Two one Spurs. So, Do you know, I, I've got to say, Jack, I'm not enjoying this pod as much as I thought I would. Only because, and that's a back to compliment. <laughs> it's only because you two are so, um, I would say, sensible. Jeff, would you agree? I mean, most yeah. of the Spurs fans that I encounter are just completely, completely no. deluded. Uh, <laughs> and I followed Jack. I followed Jack when I had about. I followed Jack when I had about 300 followers, mate. I followed him for a long, long while. You've got to watch his YouTube uh, videos. I saw fan- a couple today. I thought you were playing Lampard. Fucking, al- fucking um, hilarious, mate. Yeah, yeah hilarious, no, mate. You guys, your, your, um, 
it is not good for my uh, for my mind. <laughs> I thought all of you lot were completely deluded and hopeless. But I think yeah, I think I, after I this, like I would I would say equally the same for you guys. And I think after this, <laughs> when our uh, when the Twitter masses listen to it, is listen to this, we're all just going to be burnt at the stake by our own. So oh uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you you lot weren't going on there, and you weren't mugging them all off all the time. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So sorry for I've, not I've, mentioning Woolwich. Oh shit! Yeah, we were supposed Middle to. Bank. Yeah, you're yeah. not even from North yeah. London. Yeah, you... we we were officially North London way before you arrived. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not even from North London either, so it's, it's, yeah. it's massively hypocritical yeah. coming from the man sat in Yorkshire. <laughs> you big cannon wankers. Yeah, there you go. That's it. You yeah. cocks on balls. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> right, anyway, well, it's yeah. it's been, I didn't think I'd say it, but it's been a pleasure, lads. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on, giving us your time. Um, you can follow all of the, well, you can listen to the previous episodes of Rule the Roost at spursstatman.com. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter. We do neglect the Twitter account a bit, so I'm sorry, but yeah, at RTRSSM. Um, so, yeah, let's all look forward to the game and a nice resounding Spurs win. Come on, you Spurs, and Come thanks for listening, you. everyone. Have a good night. God bless you, too, mate. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.